It was exciting to put the Washington Capitals jersey on, and it was really nice to meet all the guys. Um, you know, get the, get the practice in and uh, uh, do the drills, get in the flow, and um, yeah, work, work hard. Even though I was in, you know, obviously San Jose for for so long, the, the guys really made me feel comfortable here. They got a good staff uh, and a great group, so really, I feel like you know, at home again. Now the defense begins, and hopefully, we can uh, we can do it again. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, everybody, and welcome into another episode of a new season of Our Line Starts with Eddie Olchek and Keith Jones. I'm Catherine Tappan. Great to see you guys. The season is just just upon us now, finally. Happy New Year, everybody. How are you guys doing? Jonesy, KT? Doing well, buddy. Good to see you guys and looking forward to getting started again. Just a couple days away. Beautiful. Yeah. We're all well rested, (laughs) except for you, KT. You've been doing double duty here with football and now jumping back to hockey. So great job by you during the football as well. Enjoyed watching it. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was fun to be working and continuously working and uh, covering the games was fun. But we've got hockey now. And my goodness, do we have a hockey schedule, you guys? I mean, we're looking at a 56-game slate, so everything's going to be crammed in, which is always exciting because it's a fight to the finish line just starting in January. So, um, Jonesy, I'll start with you. What are you most looking forward to with this condensed schedule and the way the divisions are lined up? Yeah, I think the division lineup is what really has intrigued me the most. And I think back to when both Edzo and I were playing, you played a lot of games within your division, and they were always intense. And the fact that those are the only games we're playing this year is going to make them that much more intense. So I think teams that are more physical uh, that have been in the past and are built that way for this season are going to go a long way in helping themselves. So I'm looking forward to a lot of the animosity that's going to be brought about between the teams, and it should be a really competitive battle to see who makes the playoffs. Yeah, and I think too, KT, is the – yeah, you mentioned a 56-game schedule, and again, I mean, we're hoping that all, you know, all the teams can play the 56 games and, and trying to maneuver through, you know, through this pandemic. But look at when you look at a normal season, um, you know, teams talk about the first 20 games of the regular season. You want to get off to a good start, and you know, we've seen, you know, a team like St. Louis fall into it's well documented, right? Fall into dead last and. January a couple of years ago in the regular season and all of a sudden they're 250 to one to win the Stanley Cup and and there they are in the playoffs and in winning even more so this year in my opinion uh, you can miss the playoffs in the first 20 games and to Jonesy's point you're playing each other you know every other night Um, there is going to be that animosity but you I mean look at I think teams you want to win every game but if you can be around that 500 threshold after 20 games you're going to give yourself a chance to be one of the top four teams to be able to to get into the playoffs if you're one of those teams that gets off to a you know just say a five and 12 and you know three start you're not going to make the playoffs I mean unless you go and you know you you play the last 30 some games and play 800 or 900 hockey yeah it's possible but I'm looking forward to seeing what teams get off to a good start the first 20 games and then 
we'll be able to kind of see how it all plays out. But a lot of dynamics this year and really excited that we're going to be dropping the puck really soon. Yeah, and you guys mentioned, you know, the the condensed schedule and obviously Jonesy as a player, you talked about how challenging that is and in the midst of a pandemic, but also with that condensed schedule, there's so many back-to-backs. I think San Jose has the most amount at 12, but I mean, that's that's going to be a challenge, right, Ezo, to kind of navigate the schedule and to try and figure out where you're resting guys, if you're, you know, getting the proper rest. I mean, what is the most important factor for these teams going into this really difficult schedule from a taxing perspective? Well, I would say this is that if uh, Allen Iverson was a hockey player, he would really enjoy this season because <laughs> there isn't going to be practice. Practice? <laughs> Uh, there's not going to be a lot of practice time. There really isn't. And even more so, and you made a great point there, KT, about the back-to-backs. What about the situations with backup goaltenders uh, in certain situations? You know, when do you play them? I mean, look, at every, every division in the league of the four, maybe for the exception, in my opinion, for the exception in the Northern Division, the All-Canadian Division, um, they're – there's going to be opportunities where teams are going to decide to play their backups on some teams that may be in a rebuild or, you know, you know that the big goal isn't necessarily to make the playoffs, but is to develop their young players. You know, you're going to have to play your, you're going to have to play up, you play your backup goaltenders and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be really intriguing, but you know, the, the divisional setup, the all Canadian division, um, you know, the Eastern, Eastern conference. I mean, you're going to have a team or two that are, is really, really good isn't going to make the playoffs because of the way that it's set up. And that's just the way that it is during a global pandemic. So I'm looking forward to kind of seeing how coaches and how players manage this schedule, because there are going to be a lot of games in a short period of time, because it's going to be play day off, play day off. And if you're not having morning skates, you know, you're trying to protect everybody in the building and trying to just manage through this. Um, You're going to play on a, on a Wednesday night, maybe have an easy skate on Thursday and then you don't do anything Friday morning and then you play the game Friday night. So as the season goes on, there's not going to be a lot of practice time. That's for sure. And I think guys, there's a few things that benefit the the players in this situation. Number one, nutrition is such an important part of what every player does now. It's like a full-time part of his job. Uh, the conditioning is outstanding for all the players. Uh, so that's not a big, as big of a, sh- a challenge as it would be back say 15, 20 years ago, uh, the trainers and the staff are really great at making sure everything is taken care of for the players. They have to focus on hockey. It's going to be intense. And if they don't like practicing, like Edzo said, they're going to love it. The back-to-backs, they'll, they'll deal with that. I'd rather play in a back-to-back than get skated for two days or three <laughs> days between a week off. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. But the fact that they have, they have short memories is going to be important. If you lose a game, you better jump back right in there and make sure you get your game back on track immediately. Slumps will not be tolerated in this type of schedule. So it's a lot of things that are intriguing to watch from the outside. But from a player's perspective, I think they're going to enjoy just how much they're playing and how little they're traveling for the most part. I think that should help them in some ways as well. Hey, hey Jonesy and KT, too, just talking to a few uh, coaches and players throughout the league. Um, you know, I think the first couple of games, I think you're going to have your moments where you're going to sit there and go, wow, man, you know, like this is unbelievable, right? You're just going to, you're going to get on one of those waves where it's going to be like, it's mid-season form, right? 
but you're going to have stretches here. And this has been kind of, I want to say a concern, but certainly a part of the process for these players and coaches is talking about, I'm really not sure what the hell I'm going to get when these guys get on the ice for the first game. I mean, it's just, you know, yeah, they're in great shape. And Jonesy, we can speak to this. You can be in great shape and whatever, but there's nothing like playing games. And let's not forget, there have been, there are no exhibition games. And look at that's just the way that it is. So everybody's on an even playing surface. Mm-hmm. But for me, it'll be really interesting to see uh, those waves when it really goes. It's going to look amazing. And then you're going to have stretches probably. Jonesy, what would you think it's going to take? Maybe for everybody. I mean, for most guys, right? Probably a good five games plus to really kind of get your game shape and get in those, you know, kind of the game condition. Would you, would you agree with that? Uh, I would. So I would anticipate that every team comes out flying, that there's a whole bunch of energy and there's a lot of excitement. And then there's going to be teams that hit the wall. Yeah, That's good. That's going to be around that five game mark. Um, Some teams will handle it better because they're probably better teams than some of the opposition that they're facing. But for the most part, that's going to be the challenge getting through that seventh game, the 12th game, before they get re-energized, get that second win that should carry them for the rest of the season. Let's, let's talk about some of the big storylines going into this season, you guys, because for me, a, a lot of it has to do, two of the big headlining stories for me are these franchise icons that we are going to see in a different uniform this year. I'm talking about Joe Thornton going to Toronto and also Zidane Chara going to the Washington Capitals. Let's start with Z because poor New England fans, they've lost Mookie Betts, they've <laughs> lost Tom Brady, and now they lose uh, Zidane Chara to, uh, to heads to Washington. But I mean, and so when you heard that news, why do you because it seemed like he could have stayed in Boston at the number that he took to go to Washington but why was Washington the better fit for Zidane in this situation well I mean look at just when you hear Donnie Sweeney and I liked how he handled it and the Bruins handled the situation and Z I mean both with class right the Bruins and, and Donnie and then obviously Zidane Char and handling the situation there is there look at I mean here's the guy that uh, that that thinks and knows and wants to play and play more and play in that, you know, that certain uh, role that he had. And I think he just kind of felt, again, just reading the tea leaves. um, He was in a situation where he kind of thought that, you know what, it's not going to, it's not going to work out in Boston. I'm not going to be playing in a lot of those situations. They want to, you know, move some other guys along and move them up the ladder. And hey, that's just the way it is. It's, it's a business. And uh, I, I give him credit for, for saying, you know what, I still want to play. I still want to be a key cog, and he's going to be an important part in Washington. I mean, how how crazy is that? And, and then on the other side of that is, oh, by the way, he gets to play the Bruins eight times this year. So yeah, exactly. that'll be, uh, you know, that'll be a lot of fun to to watch and looking forward to seeing Big Z. And it's going to be, look at it, it's going to be different. I mean, he's a, his numbers, I mean, in my opinion, his numbers should be retired and, and I think will be retired in Boston at some point here down the road. But here's a guy that feels he can play more. There was a team out there looking for a guy like that. And I think Washington, I know we're kind of, I'm, I'm bouncing around here a little bit, but you know, I think Washington's one of those teams, they've improved themselves on the back end where it's been a little bit of a, a sore spot here recently. They picked up, obviously, Zidane Chara. They picked up a guy like Trevor Van Riemsdyk, who is a very uh, solid five, six, seven type of defenseman that can come in and come out and has experience, won a Stanley Cup with Chicago. I think they've improved themselves uh, quite a bit here. And in a shortened season, again, what's going to go on with the goaltending? No more Holtby because he's in Vancouver. you got Ilya Samsonov there. Of course, if they don't get goaltending, they're not going to win. But uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what Big Z looks like in, in our nation's capital come uh, opening night. 
And I would think that's what attracted him to the Washington Capitals. Number one, a little more of an opportunity than what it sounded like he was going to get with Boston. And a fact that uh, on paper, they look like a team that should contend for the Stanley Cup. Their defense is improved and he will make them better. He's a big bodied guy. He's going to make everybody feel a little bit tougher than they might have uh, previously. He can beat up anybody in the league. He can go <laughs> up against he can go up against the biggest, toughest guys. And that's going to be important in this type of format where you're playing within the division. Um, the other thing I, I forget sometimes is that Big Z's only team wasn't the Boston Bruins. And a lot of times you want to see a guy stay. I was actually disappointed when Ray Bork moved on because I wanted to see him retire with the Bruins. Worked out well for him. He ended up winning the Stanley Cup. But when players like Joe Sackick and Steve Eiserman stay with the same organization, I think there's something neat about that. The fact that Sedano was in uh, with the Islanders to start his career and then with the Ottawa Senators. Spent a lot of time with the Bruins and did an awful lot for the organization. But I think it makes it a little bit easier to move on when you've had those experiences in different cities. And, and also, too, KT and Jones, again, just my thought, and KT, you asked when I heard about it. I, I think, too, and, and, trying to, and I, I would take myself back as a, a player or a coach in this league, is the dynamic, again, having family, having kids. Um, it's a shortened season, too, which – Again, we, you know, we don't know. Look, we're all day to day in the big picture, but we don't know what's going to happen next year moving forward for Zane Chara or a guy like Henry Glundquist, obviously, who's not playing this year. We certainly hope uh, King Henrik is doing well after his surgery. But, you know, I think the shortened season, you know, probably would have had played into that decision as well. For, for Big Z of uh, going to Washington for the 56 games or whatever the schedule is going to end up being. So there, I think there, there's certainly a lot more than just the, the playing part of it. But again, as a player, Jones, you know that. Look at, uh, you, you just, you, you get an opportunity. You want to play. You want to play as much as you can. You want to be an important part. And he's certainly going to get that opportunity. And uh, he's going to help uh, some of those guys there and uh, another winner going to Washington. So I agree with you, Jonesy. I think they're, uh, they might be one of those sleeper teams when you're looking to maybe get your feet wet uh, when it comes to uh, some wagering on, uh, on some teams uh, moving forward. And the same guys can be said about Joe Thornton, who you mentioned earlier, Catherine. There's, there's no question that he's going to a team that can use his leadership, can use his attitude. I mean, this is a guy that a lot of players can learn a lot from based upon how he goes about living his life. He's a great human being. He's a guy that absolutely loves the game, has great passion for it. And he's going to get a great opportunity with a Leafs team that we're waiting for them to break through. They look like they're close to being able to do that. They're loaded with star talent. And why not add a guy like Thornton that's been there? He's been a superstar in the league and can kind of pass on some of the things that he's learned in that role throughout his career. And that should benefit the Maple Leafs. I think he'll be a helpful piece to them. And I'm glad to see him go back and play close to his hometown uh, not quite there, but very close to Toronto. So it's, it's good for him to be back there. Yeah, it'll be interesting too, KT and Jonesy, that, uh, you know, where Sheldon Keith, the head coach of the Maple Leafs, uh, plays the guy and how he uses a guy like Joe Thornton. Um, you know, right now it looks like he's going to be on the line with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Um, I, I don't know how long that will last. I mean, those guys like to get up and go. And, you know, Joe Jumbo is a, I mean, always been a, a great thinker of the game the anticipation all of these years in the league you know still can get up and down the ice okay um you know I think in a situation where if you 
you can anticipate it can offset maybe some of the lack of quickness, but it'll be interesting to see how long that kind of plays out. Do I think that that is something that will last the whole season or whatever? Probably not. I, like when I first initially saw it, I was like, whoa, like it just kind of caught me back there. It's like, how is he going to be able to keep up with those guys? So again, it's all a work in progress, but as Jonesy said, a guy that, loves the game, eats the game, breathes and sleeps it, and now he gets a chance to go back to his so-called hometown and play for the Maple Leafs. So, you know, what an opportunity. And I think everybody thought that once he didn't move the last couple of years, because he's been on what, KT and Jones, he's been on one-year deals there with Doug Wilson in San Jose, it seems like, for about 100 years. He just, like, every year is a one year, and he's never going to go. He doesn't want to move the trade deadline or whatever, and all of a sudden, you know, here they are. He comes kind of comes out of nowhere, and he ends up in Toronto, uh, one of those – special guys in the league and uh, be interesting to see how it all plays out in, uh, in TO. Yeah. And Toronto certainly one of the favorites in that North division. And I mean, for Joe, the number one thing was to win a Stanley cup. So he'll get the opportunity to do that. Circling back on the Bruins real quick. I don't want to go without noticing and acknowledging that Patrice Bergeron will now be the captain of the Boston Bruins with Zidane Chara's departure. And I just think, you know, he's been a captain in waiting. He's been a face of that franchise. And you guys talk about a player that wants to stay with one team his entire career. Uh, you know, putting that C on his sweater may keep Patrice Bergeron a Bruin for life, which would be fun to see for the fans in New England. Sticking with the, uh, the East Division, though, in Boston, and I think one of their biggest competitors is going to be the Buffalo Sabres. I like what Buffalo did. In the offseason, you get Taylor Hall, you get Eric Stahl. They have strength down the middle now. Probably the number one question mark would be in net for the Buffalo Sabres. But there's something special in that city in Buffalo right now, Jonesy. They've got the Bills on a roll, uh, getting ready to play again this weekend on Saturday to advance and try and get a Super Bowl. But you look at the Buffalo Sabres, and this is a franchise that is on the upswing right now. How much are those additions going to help this team get them to the next level? They're going to help a lot. And it's not the first time that I felt going into a season that Buffalo was going to be a much improved team. It's I've been caught with that a couple of different times, but I think (laughs) this is for real. I think that they are obviously a much improved team because of personnel. I think Taylor Hall should be a nice fit there. It gives Jack Eichel another star player to play with. I think Eichel is the type of player that can, you know, control the pace of a game. Mm -hmm. He is a fun guy to watch play. Sabre fans, I think have enjoyed watching Jack play over the last few seasons, but they'd love to see him play on a winning team and be a captain of a winning team. And it looks like the pieces are in place for Buffalo to do that and maybe a little bit more. So I'm encouraged by what's happened in Buffalo. I'm not going to jump on that bandwagon just yet, but I do believe that, and I know they're a much improved team and should be ultra competitive in that new division. Yeah, I think that's the biggest question mark is how far can they – you know, how far can they move up that ladder in that division? That is a, I mean, that is a brutal division. I mean, like I said earlier, KT and Jonesy, there's going to be a couple of really good teams that, that just don't make it because of the dynamic, you know, in prior years. And again, it's all we can go on is what has happened in the past and learn from it is that, you know, you've had four or five representatives from one division before, because in the other division, you have to get the top three in there. So you're going to have a couple of teams that, you know, it's going to be tough. I think they're up against it. Um, I really like the intriguing move there, bringing Taylor Hall there um, and understanding uh, his relationship with Ralph Kruger when they were there in, in Edmonton a, a long time ago. Um, but Jack Eichel uh, staying healthy and doing what he's able to do. Um, but it'll it'll be interesting. Do I think they'll be able to do uh, what the uh, what the Bills have done, the Bills Mafia has done this year, KT? No, I don't. I do not believe that. But I think they're certainly trending uh, in the right direction. And, uh, you know, they have tremendous ownership there. 
and with both teams, with the Bills and the uh, Sabres and uh, with uh, Terry and Kim Pagula. So uh, they're trying to uh, mimic what's going on with the uh, – with the uh, Buffalo Bills, because at this point they haven't been able to do it with the Sabres, but it seems like they're trending in the right way. But I'm not sure that they're uh, they're in the top four in that division because that's pretty salty. Yeah, you mentioned the ownership. I had a chance to actually talk to Kim Bagul at my recent Bills game, and she said the number one concern they had is the division they're playing in. She said when they got a line, she called Gary Bettman and said, really, with this division <laughs> right now? Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what Buffalo's able to do. But um, another big storyline going into the opening night, you guys, are the, the big, some of the big stars that are going to be absent um, for the foreseeable future. And I'm talking about Jonathan Taves with Chicago, the captain, dealing with a health issue, uh, will not join his team to start the season. Nikita Kucherov out for the regular season. He had hip surgery. Maybe he'll be available for the playoffs. Edzo, you mentioned Henrik Lundqvist, who had um, open heart surgery, dealing with a major, major um, situation there, appears to be doing well according to his updates on his social media. Corey Crawford, sudden retirement. So the New Jersey Devils are left without a goaltender now. They signed him to a two-year deal, hoping he'd be the number one guy. Uh, let's talk about some of these big names. And um, Jonesy, I'm not sure where you want to start, but maybe we start in Chicago with Jonathan Taves. And, uh, you know, the Blackhawks are going to have to be missing their captain. Yeah, of all the guys that are going to be missing, obviously Jonathan Taves is the most important. The captain of the hockey team, he's been there since he arrived uh, in the National Hockey League. A, a player that Edzo gets to watch a, a lot more frequently than I do, but we all love watching him play. Ultra competitive, you know, the leadership part of the game can't be underestimated how much he brings to the table. Stanley Cup championships, all of those things. And also just a tremendous guy to listen to, speak after games and before games. He's got a lot to say and a lot to offer, but most importantly, he's a great player. So he will be missed. The Blackhawks, uh, as a team, are going to obviously have huge skates to fill. Very difficult challenge. I would be surprised if they could make the playoffs without him. I don't think that's anything shocking. But I'll miss watching him play and watching him lead that team. They always felt like the Hawks had a chance when Taves and Kane yeah. were there together. Kane by himself is going to have a much more difficult time. Yeah, you mentioned Corey Crawford, KT. 
Um, yeah, I think Jersey's uh, Jersey's going to be okay with Mackenzie Blackwood. I think he's uh, he, he's uh, he's a pretty darn good young goaltender, and I think they wanted to bring Crawford in there to to help mentor him and, and to you know not necessarily allow Blackwood to have to play in a normal season to be a guy that carries a load and play 50 plus games. So, you know, they're on the, I think they're certainly looking to, uh, to bring somebody in there to help the young goaltender. I think they'll be fine, but a guy like Corey Crawford, I mean, look, you know, I mean, he, he got offered a contract in Chicago before he, he eventually signed that two year deal in New Jersey and just decided, you know what, I want to go and play and play a little bit more. And, and he just uh, decided to, to pack it in for, for personal reasons. And we have to respect that issue. And another goaltender, you mentioned Henrik Lundqvist, uh, I don't want to say I was surprised that he left, uh, you know, the situation with the two good goaltenders in, uh, in, in, New York, in with the Rangers, with uh, uh, Shosturkin and, and uh, Georgiev. But they really like that guy, uh, Jonesy. They really do, Georgiev. But at the end of the day, um, to see Henrik Lundqvist decide that he wanted to play a little bit more and he goes to Washington and, and to know an arch rival of the New York Rangers. But and hearing this, you know, the, the news that uh, he had to have the uh, – the surgery, uh, you know, on his heart. And, and as we said earlier, we're certainly thinking about him and praying for him and hoping that he's going to be okay. And, you know, look at, uh, you know, is there an opportunity that, you know, that we see Henrik Lundqvist put on the pads again one more time? I mean, only time will tell. And certainly that would be a great thing, but I think we'll always know him as uh, a guy that, uh, that carried the franchise for the New York Rangers for a long, long time. And I still believe to this day, KT and Jonesy, I still don't think that he gets enough props for being the guy in New York for all those years. Um, you saw some of the teams that he played, I don't want to say he played in front of, he played in back of. Uh, he was a guy that helped carry the load, and he came a little short and winning the Stanley Cup there against L.A. a few years ago. But uh, this, guy's a, this guy's a winner, and uh, uh, we're, we're going to miss him, that's for sure, this year. And hopefully he's healthy first and foremost, and we'll wait and see on his hockey career. Yeah, no question about that. First and foremost, the health with him. Uh, guys, Tampa Bay, they won the Stanley Cup, but they are not the favorite this year to win Lord Stanley's Cup. Let's take a look at the odds from our partners at Points Bet Sportsbook. And uh, Edzo, I mean, it's interesting yeah. to look at the odds for the outright cup. What do you, what yeah. do you have? How would you handle it? Well, I think, look at it, and they're not the favorite, and I think rightfully so. Um, it is tough to repeat. We've seen it, KT, and as we – pull up our numbers from our friends at points bet uh, the favorite and rightfully so I will say this the Colorado Avalanche at one point were nine to one to win the Stanley Cup they added Devon Taves uh, from the New York Islanders who was a top four defenseman in my opinion they brought in Brandon Saad from the Chicago Blackhawks who's a two-time Stanley Cup winner uh, and a guy that can play in your top six he's going to help their penalty kill they've dropped all the way to uh Less than six to one, and uh, I think there's still great value there at, at at five and a half to one to win the Stanley Cup. And to me, Jonesy, it's uh, win the cup or bust for the uh, Colorado Avalanche. Look, to me, they have the best player in the National Hockey League. We can have this argument, I'm sure, as the year goes on. I think Nathan McKinnon is the best player in the league. He plays in all three zones. He is an electric player. He has proven himself. So I think rightfully so, the Colorado Avalanche. I would be shocked if they did not come out of a very deep and uh, contentious Western Conference, so to speak. Um, when you look at Vegas, you look at St. Louis over there. 
but I think rightfully so the uh, the uh, Vegas uh, excuse me the Colorado Avalanche should be the favorite and they are at five and a half to one the one team I will give everybody that I think is a sleeper team when they look to numbers and odds and value up in the northern division the Calgary Flames finally have a goaltender Jonesy they picked <laughs> up Jacob Markstrom KT from the Vancouver Canucks yep. the last time I looked they're 20 eight to one you know one team's coming out of that northern division so they're going to get to the final four if the calgary flames can navigate and figure their way through 28 to one sounds like a pretty good price whether it's hockey or it's horses jonesy uh the calgary flames to me might be one of those sleeper teams if you're looking to get your feet wet on a stanley cup winner and they've got that one two punch in net too you guys talk about the importance of two goalies with david riddick as the backup i mean that's a really good goaltending duo for those guys yeah, and goaltending backups came in real handy last year in the playoffs, yeah. didn't they? Including when Markstrom couldn't play for Vancouver. So I think Vancouver is also also going to be a competitive team again, especially with the way that they can move the puck from the back end. But I wouldn't be betting on them to win the Stanley Cup, but I do think they're going to cause some problems. Calgary is a great sleeper choice. I love the odds there, too. That's an awesome pick. Avalanche, I would say the odds are too low. They should be the team and are the team to beat. But I wouldn't be betting 550 to, you know, or to get the type of odds that you're getting at five and a half to one. Uh, Vegas is a great choice for me as well. I think Petrangelo is going to do an incredibly good job there. I think ownership there with Bill Foley is in win now mode. He's been yeah. in that mode since he arrived in the NHL. Uh, I think if they feel like something's missing, they'll quickly add it and adjust. But they've got enough there to make another run at a Stanley Cup. And I, I would be very concerned about finding ways to beat a team like Vegas because they're stacked throughout their lineup. Hey, Jonesy, let me ask you. It's interesting because my feeling is, and again, remember, they moved Paul Stastny out, right, to fit in Alex Petrangelo now. They moved Nate Schmidt out, okay, I mean, maneuvering, handling the salary cap. Um, and Nate Schmidt now in Vancouver and Stastny now in Winnipeg. I look at the center ice position, Jonesy, for Vegas. Like, do you think that they have enough in the middle to be able to, to, to finally take that next step? Now, look, at their first year, we know it was unbelievable to be able to make the run that they did. Now they change. They change coaches. A lot of things have been over. I just don't know if they're deep enough at the center ice position. Do you think that's a fair, uh, that's a fair argument? It is, for sure. And William Carlson's going to have to play back to what he played a, a couple of seasons ago. That would obviously be critically important to their, mm -hmm. you know, fortunes as far as things go. Younger players are going to have to move up in their lineup. That's going to have to be part of it as well. Uh, some of their top draft choices are going to have to develop quickly. So if you're looking at that team, that would be something. Right. I like the way they can defend, though. I like the fact that they're big and strong, especially with the way these divisions are set up. I think there's a, a lot of advantages they have, including in goal. So those would be the main reasons that I would, I would like them. Yeah. I think they're going to play maybe a little bit differently than when, when they have in the past, uh, as far as being maybe even more physical, but most importantly, defend a little bit better. I think their goals against average is going to go down. That's a question. With a 56-game schedule, how many points is it going to take, do you think, to get into the playoffs for these guys? <laughs> well, I think really depending on, you know, depending on the divisions. Um, 
Now what, you have a possible, what, 56 times two is what, Jonesy, 111? No, it's 112, Jonesy. So. <laughs> I'm just getting my calculator. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you got a calculator. I got an abacus over here. I'm trying to figure that out myself here. So, yeah, and if you young people out there watching don't know what an abacus is, go on your phone and look it up. You'll know what I'm talking about. Um, you know what? Look, KT, I mean, I think obviously every division is going to be tough. I mean, I look at the Eastern Division and sit there and go, and maybe even the, uh, the, the Northern Division and sit there and go, wow, you know, could you, know, could, could you get to a team that's, you know, could, could somebody get to 35 wins, go 35 and 21 and get to that 70-point plateau? You might have, you know, five teams that are within maybe four or five points. It's going to be so close that, you know, maybe you do have a team that, makes it if they're only two or three games over 500 and mm-hmm. it'll be really interesting to see so I'd be looking at that Eastern Conference and the Northern the all Canadian division to really sit there and look and go wow you could probably make a case for in my opinion maybe for five or six teams to be able to make it but you mentioned a point total uh, KT and, and our friends at points bet they have all different types of wagers when it comes to betting on the National Hockey League but the one thing is interesting they do have point totals for each team in the National Hockey League, like, do you think your team is going to get to a certain number? So they set the lines. The one team I think is really interesting, and Jonesy, I, I like your, your, your input on this. I look at the point total for the Edmonton Oilers. Now, we know who they have. They have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and you can argue those two players are top 10 players in the NHL. A lot of people think Connor McDavid is number one, and I wouldn't argue that. I already said that I think McKinnon is the best player in the league right now. But when I look at the Edmonton Oilers, and I watched them play in the playoffs last year against the Chicago Blackhawks, they didn't have Oscar Kleffbaum last year playing, and he is a really integral part of their team. He's out for the season. They, their point total is 63.5 in that Canadian division. I think they have the weakest goaltending in the Canadian division. Look what Ottawa did. Ottawa went on and got Matt Murray. We know what Montreal is with Carey Price. Toronto's got Freddie Anderson. Winnipeg's got Connor Hellebuck. Calgary went out and got Markstrom from Vancouver. Vancouver went out and got Braden Holpe, and they got Thatcher Demko. I look at the Edmonton Oilers. They have the same goaltending in Mike Smith in, 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 uh, in Koskinen. In their defense, I watched a play last year in the playoffs, Jonesy. They couldn't check their hat. Uh, they, they were not very good against the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, it's a 56-game schedule. You have two of the greatest, you know, the best players in the entire National Hockey League. Can they score five goals every game? Yeah. Can their goaltending give up six? They could. So could they win games 7-6 seven, six, and 6-5? Six, I look at the Edmonton Oilers, Jonesy. I look at that total and go, you know what? I think that's a little high for my liking. So if you're looking at point totals, there might be some value there. What's your thoughts on, on Edmonton, Joe? I, I would agree with a lot of what you just said. I would also add that I don't know that the five-point games are going to be there because every game's like a division game. Right. And, and so some superstar players are going to be checked every night like that right. game is the most important right. game of the season. You're not going to get a lot of breathing room. Uh, every team has a book on the two stars of the Edmonton Oilers, and it right. hasn't worked out very well yet. But there is times that that can wear on top players. So I think the fact that there's a lot of games coming in, uh, rapidly and the fact that it's against the same opponents, I think that's going to work against the Edmonton Oilers. And I would agree. I would take the under on that. 
Well, you guys, just for a frame of reference, the 16th spot, the final spot to get into the playoffs last year, was a 565-point percentage. So that translates to 63 points in a 56-game schedule. Of course, uh, everyone can look at the points and prognosticate the season with our friends at PointsBet Sportsbook. Um, Jonesy, we talked a lot about the East, but I have not asked you yet about the Philadelphia Flyers, a team you spend a heck of a lot of time covering. I mean, I, I love – where it starts at the top with the Flyers, with Elaine Vigneault. I think he did a tremendous job with this team, and we saw that in the playoffs. But how do you rate them going into this year? I, I, my one concern is that Matt Niskanen is no longer there, and that's his retirement is going to be a big uh, hole to fill. Uh, he was such a calming influence on the back end, and I thought he helped Provorov bring his game to another level. So they're going to need some young guys to continue develop and, uh, to develop and develop quickly. They also are going to be playing a lot of games within that division like everybody else, and it's an extremely difficult division. They're very strong up the middle with Hayes and Couturier. They have size. They could uh, hold up well against playing the same team a lot, of, a lot during a short period of time. I think that will help them. Uh, the, on, the only concern I have is on the back end, just how uh, Niskanen's absence will affect them. They've got the goaltender, and that's been the question in Philly for a long time. That's no longer a question. So you have to feel good about the team based upon that. But I do have a worry there with Niskanen not being involved. The two two things, if I can, KT and Jonesy, with with the Flyers. One is is that how good was that signing of Kevin Hayes um, by Chuck Fletcher? Like that that was just absolutely huge because there was a stretch there, Jonesy, and you can disagree with me, but watching a lot of the Flyers games, um, Kevin Hayes carried that team for, a, a, you know, a good stretch. I mean, he was doing everything. I mean, he wasn't on the first power play, but boy, oh boy, second power play unit, he would chip in and kill penalties, scoring some great goals. I mean, he, he per, I thought that was one as, as good as a, a free agent signing that we saw last year. I don't think that the Flyers and, and Kevin Hayes got enough credit for that. I, um, and then the last thing is, is the, maybe my only concern is, is that, Maybe, uh, and, and, I, and I love Elaine Vigneault, and, and I think every team that he has been on, his teams have overachieved, whether it was in Vancouver, whether it was with the Rangers, or certainly now in Philadelphia, he has that ability to be able to get a lot out of his team, regardless of what the expectations are from, from people like us. But the one thing I will say is that uh, maybe, just maybe, uh, he needs to not challenge some of those offsides plays <laughs> as much as we saw in the playoffs last year because a couple of those challenges, I looked at it, Jonesy. I think we were talking about. I'm like, oh, what are you, like? What are you doing? Please, please, please don't, please don't challenge. And, and and I've said this. I've been saying this for the last five years. I still don't understand how teams in a National Hockey League, and certainly if 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 I would do this if I had the opportunity. I don't understand how teams do not hire former officials or referees mm -hmm. to become a part of their uh, video review team, the, you know, the, the video coaches, the guys that are watching everything, whether it's from rules or offsides, plays, whatever. I still don't understand how no team in the league has hired a former referee to be in there. My opinion is, is that I believe is that if you have somebody in there, look at I like to think that we know a lot of the rules. We don't know the finer points of the rules. To me, to have somebody in there that knows the rules, 
a former official to help you whether you challenge, you don't challenge. Because in some of these situations, if you challenge, and look at in both those challenges last year I'm talking about with Elaine Vigneault, they ended up winning those games. And to me, you shouldn't have challenged. He did. They ended up winning. They ran, you know, they, he got away without having to answer any real questions. Because look at you challenge in the wrong situation, that's not only wins, but that's money. And you lose revenue for whether it's playoff games, home games, whatever it is. So long-winded, I'm sitting here saying, I think it's a difference between over a normal season of 82 games. I believe if you have a former official in there, I think it's a difference between 8 and 10 points over the course of a regular season. Whether he tells you to challenge or he tells you not to challenge could end up being the difference of whether you're making the playoffs or not. So that's where I'm going to get off the pedestal here. But I believe is that uh, somebody should hire a former official. I think all teams should. That's just my opinion. I think it would help and make uh, make life a little easier on the coach. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right there. And so, well, guys, I I would be remiss if we ended our opening episode of Our Line Starts without mentioning that one of our teammates announced his retirement recently, and that's a uh, beloved Doc Emmerich. It's just going to be very strange without having him a part of our telecasts, and I mean, really, uh, for the whole entire sports broadcasting world across the board in all sports, not having Doc being a part of the broadcast will be uh, a significant loss, and Edzo, no one will feel that loss more than you. Uh, can you just comment on Doc's retirement? and and what it's going to mean for you moving forward without him yeah it was uh it was a tough day kt when uh when doc uh gave me the heads up that uh you know that he was going to ride off into the sunset with his wife joyce and the, the pups and the horses and uh yeah i knew it was around the corner but i didn't realize that it was going to be uh you know so soon but uh, certainly doc is at peace and that's all that matters and uh, i'm going to miss him a lot i'm going to miss obviously our time on the air and the broadcast and, you know, the camaraderie and the trust that uh, had developed, uh, you know, over the 14 years that we were sitting next to one another or standing next to one another in some of the winter classics or uh, sitting in the booths. And, uh, you know, that March 11th, I didn't realize uh, sitting next to Doc at the, uh, at the United Center, uh, Chicago and San Jose on NBCSN on Wednesday night hockey would have been the last time that I ever sat next to Doc for a game. And, uh, you know, that's obviously when the, you know, that we were in the heat of the pandemic and, and hockey ended up shutting down. And then the rest of the games we did were, were far apart, but um, we're going to miss them. We're going to miss them a lot. Cause as we know, anytime we heard doc, uh, it was, uh, you knew it was an important broadcast and uh, yeah. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Joyce. And uh, we're going to try to carry on his legacy the best that we can. And um, yeah, I've, I've reminisced a lot, KT and Jonesy, you know, you know, publicly and privately with, with Doc. And I'm always asked to, you know, tell a story and, and, and what have you. And I think for me, uh, having worked with Doc as long as I did, I, I think there was always that, in, it was always very intimidating to sit in chair next to Doc Emmerich because of, of who he was and what he stood for and, and, the, and the heights that he wanted to take the broadcast. And I think when I really felt when I arrived or I really felt like I was a part that I deserve to be in that chair, even though that, you know, I, I worked my way to getting into that opportunity is uh, Doc had said publicly, you know, that, uh, um, that he hopes that when Edzo, me, uh, turns uh, 65, is that he has somebody that takes care of him as he t- has taken care of me. And 
that's when I really felt that I had arrived and I had gotten the stamp of approval from uh, the greatest of all time. And I'm very proud of that. And we're going to miss him. And, you know, he's still going to be a part of our team. He's still going to be doing some special assignments and looking forward to seeing him and hearing him and, you know, maybe slide him a, you know, maybe we can slide him a headset every once in a while, maybe <laughs> to jump in and, and give us one of those calls or, you know, the, the one of the most, I mean, look at, you know, we all have our favorite calls of doc, but, uh, for me, it's uh, any time that the puck would uh, the puck would go off the iron, and I would sit next to Doc and see him get so excited and so <laughs> amped up that the puck would hit the iron, and Doc would just sit there and go, "He hit the post with the shot," and I'd have to look over there to make sure that he was still breathing and making sure that he was okay because he would just emphasize that. So for me, I'm gonna miss a lot of things, but. Uh, you know, his friendship and his trust is something that uh, will be with me the rest of my life. Well said. We will miss him, but I, I do hope NBC has some special things planned, as you mentioned, uh, Edzo, with the special assignments he's going to do. But also, he deserves the proper send-off, and we didn't get a chance to do that, so hopefully we do. On that note, guys, I'm looking forward to the triple header, Wednesday Night Hockey, to kick things off. Jonesy, get ready. You're going to be stuck with me for a long time here. <laughs> Can't wait, buddy. Can't wait. All right. Edzo, have a great call opening night, and it's been fun, guys. We'll keep doing this throughout the season. Another Thanks, KT. See you, Jonesy. Love you guys. Stay safe. See you, guys. Bye -bye.